Hey there! I'm really glad that you've come to check out the KZMC Weekly Teaching. My name is Ryan Yahtzee and I'm the lead pastor. KZMC gathers together for worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. in person. You can also join us via our live stream available on YouTube. If you're from the area and you're not already connected to a church, we'd love to have you come join us. You can find the full details at kzmc.ca. It's my hope and it's my prayer that God will speak to you through this teaching. May you have a marvelous day. So I'm, I'm wearing my training clothes this morning, my running clothes. I, uh, I had full intention of, in, a little over a year ago, January of 2020, I had intention of spending a lot of time in these clothes in the months ahead. I'd been running a little bit over the months prior and, and was kind of building up a little bit. And I was at the point where I could do, there were a number of occasions in which I'd done 10 kilometer stretches. I was kind of excited about that. I was feeling pretty optimistic. So I set a goal. I'm going to run a half marathon. I can't even fathom doing a full marathon, but I think I can do a half marathon. So that's like 21 kilometers. And I, I got out this spreadsheet and I like kind of did some online research and I had like all these like distances that I'd run per day and like the intervals to kind of build yourself up to that and kind of started out and uh, that that plan didn't go so well. I uh, still have never ever run longer than 10 kilometers in one shot and in January I went for or no February of this year I went for a run a couple of times and I couldn't even do five kilometers (laughs) so I've been going going backwards. It's not good and I got all kinds of things that I can blame it on. I was kind of ramping up, and then I got sick for about a week and wasn't feeling real great, so I kind of let go of the schedule. And then I headed off to Thailand for a week, and in Thailand, like, the food's just amazing. It's unreal. They got all these, and, like, it's cheap. They got all these, like, roadside stands to eat at, and, and I'm just a sucker for that. And we had this, like, big shrimp feast. The food was incredible. So I wasn't exactly making progress in the right direction that week. And then you get back, and then next week, you kind of got some jet lag going on. You're feeling kind of sluggish. And Well, then two weeks later, our family was heading off to Florida, so I thought, I'm not going to be eating real great that week, so why bother? <laughs> so we went to Florida, and then we came back early because COVID hit. And that was all a loss, stuck at home eating all this baking that, uh, that Grace was doing. I got all kinds of excuses <laughs> for why I have never run 21 kilometers, much less 10 kilometers, since last early February. It's been over a year, I guess, 13 or 14 months now. I had a goal. And I started moving toward it, and I gave up pretty quick. I gave up pretty quick. And and why is that? It's because of the inclinations of my flesh. I know what I want to do. I have this, like, vision of what a great athlete I could maybe be. But you know what? It's a whole lot easier to pack down too much at supper so you feel way too full to jump on the treadmill before bedtime. It's way easier just to be like, oh. I want to sleep another half hour. I do not want to get up and go for a run. It's way easier just to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. It's like the inclinations of my heart, my desire, this like, I don't know, like it's just like innate within me. It almost sometimes feels like an irresistible force that I want to be, I want the easy road. I want the easy road. I don't want to be huffing and puffing and grinding it out and feeling cramps and all that stuff. My heart is actually set on what's far more easy and what my immediate pleasure is, and I quickly lost sight of that goal. 
And so as, as I was reflecting on our text for today, we'll get to it in a, in a moment, as I was reflecting on our text for today, I thought, you know what, that's kind of what Paul's talking about here. This need to press on, this need to strain forward. It's not going to be easy, and we've got to fight against We've got to fight against the flesh. We've got to fight against what's easy in the pursuit of, of pleasure. And, and uh, yeah. So let, let's take a look. Uh, I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12. And we're going to read on to chapter 4, verse 1. Turn to your Bibles, Philippians 3, starting at verse 12. Give you a moment to, to get there. We're continuing our series. Um, Joy no matter what. And I think Paul gives us a great glimpse here of what it looks like to to pursue joy. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this. So actually, I'm going to stop there and kind of scoot back. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about what we focused on last week. And that was this idea. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection I want to know participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So this like awesome vision of, of how he wants to know Jesus deeply. He's like, and then he goes and he says, I haven't obtained all this. Verse 12. Nor have I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. I had a marvelous goal in mind, this goal of running a half marathon. It was a brilliant goal, I think. And here in our text, Paul presents a brilliant goal, a far, obviously, a far greater goal. This is a goal that he sees ahead in his future, and it's actually a goal where he's not like, I hope I can get there, it's actually a sure thing for him. Jesus has already accomplished this. It's not like if I just do this right, then maybe I can get there. Jesus has already taken hold of him. Jesus has already poured out his grace and his mercy upon him. This is Paul's future, to be in glory with God. So Paul first mentions this verse in in this goal. In verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What does he mean by this? 
He actually expands on it then in verse 20 where he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. I'm a Canadian citizen. Dennis has dual citizenship, American and Canadian. We're citizens of our countries. And in the same sense, and it's a citizenship that supersedes our earthly nationality, we are citizens of heaven. I don't know, like I'm a Canadian, is it like a a heaven Indian, or I don't know what the word for that might be, but that is our citizenship. That's where we belong. That's where we're at home. I don't know if you've traveled abroad, but there's something about stepping off that plane or driving across that bridge and being back on Canadian territory, and you're like, oh, this is home. Does anybody feel that? Like, there's this measure of safety, and like, this is who I am. This is where I am. This is where I belong. We are citizens of heaven. Paul goes on, he says, we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So there you have it. Citizenship in heaven with Jesus and a new body. This is the future. This is the goal that awaits us. Jesus is going to bring everything under his control. He's the king of all things. But if you haven't noticed, life on earth is a little bit chaotic. There's all kinds of things that are going on that clearly aren't what Jesus would want. But the day comes when he's going to return and he's going to bring everything under his control. And at that point, we are going to be with him. And there's going to be a meeting of heaven and earth. Now, I don't know if Jesus is going to return before I die or if I'll die and spend some time in the heavenly realm before he returns and restores the new heavens and the new earth. But whatever the case... I'm going to receive a new body when he returns in glory. And that, that's just fine with me. That's just fine with me. You know, we have bodies that are aching, bodies that are wearing down, hips that don't work the way that they did. It's harder to put our socks on in the morning. Our bodies are wearing down. But we have this image of this glorious new body. Jesus had a new body when he rose from the dead. And one of the interesting things is, it wasn't, it was, from what we understand, it was fully physical. Like, the scriptures always talk about this resurrected new body. He wasn't a spirit. It was a physical body. And yet, he could also walk through a locked door. He could walk through a wall. Like, that's kind of neat. I, the scriptures don't say, but I wonder, in my new body, will I be able to walk through walls and doors? I, I'm, I'm not sure. But I look forward to that new body that we are going to receive. We're not just going to be spiritual beings when jesus restores all things we're not just going to be sort of a spirit or or some kind of a ghost floating around we are going to have new bodies created the way jesus intended father son and holy spirit intended in the garden of eden we will have new bodies bodies that are lively energetic that aren't saggy that aren't achy that aren't broken it's going to be great and we are going to be in glory with jesus this is our goal and this is the promise that we have for one day and that that's good news. It's not an if. Like, we're going to get there. This is very, very exciting. And it's something that's been accomplished because Paul says he's going to take hold of that which Jesus has already taken hold of for me. But the issue is we're inclined to give up. We're inclined to take the lazy, easy route. The same way that I did with my running For all of us in our spiritual lives, we are inclined to take the lazy, easy route. Anyone else? Like, that's like 100% the story with me. We're inclined to take the lazy, easy route. 
We're going to choose food, the couch, Netflix, going on a sweet vacation, whatever it is. There's all these things that are easy and, and meet those centers of pleasure. We chase after those things. Verse 18, Paul starts to speak to this. And he says, For as I have often told you, and now I tell you, even with tears. This was an incredibly sad reality for Paul. He said, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. How are people enemies of the cross of Christ? Well, I think it's basically when they choose to neglect the creator and the good news. When they say, you know what? I can do it on my own. I don't need a God to save me. And we just plow ahead trying to make ourselves better. In that way, you're an enemy of the cross. You're opposing the cross. You're resisting the cross because you will not allow Jesus to do the work that he accomplished at the cross. You're not allowing Jesus to do that in you. And so in that way, people are enemies of the cross. Or another way in which folks can be enemies of the cross is to pursue pleasure. To pursue what makes me feel good rather than surrendering to the good news of Jesus, surrendering to Jesus as king. I'm just going to do what feels good right now. And in these ways, when we resist and we push away the work of Jesus, folks can be enemies of the cross. Verse 19, it says, their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. You can have a super nice person doing lots of good things, but if they're building themselves up and trying to make the world a better place on their own, they're actually an enemy of the cross because they're resisting the central message of the cross, which is that we need our creator to save us. We need our creator to fix this mess. We can't do it on our own. And so when Jesus is pushed aside, oftentimes it's the case that we're pushing after trying to build ourselves up, We're pushing after pleasure, what feels good now, whether that's drinking too much, whether that's eating too much, whether it's just watching another movie, whether it's saving up for that next vacation, all kinds of stuff that God can be pushed away. And in this way, our destiny is destruction because we're choosing that rather than the path of goodness. I also want to be clear as I say this, that it's one thing to struggle in these areas we all struggle in this area without being an enemy of the cross, I think. This, I, I think that this is speaking explicitly to those who push Jesus away or just don't have open hearts at all because they're pursuing that pleasure, because they're pursuing their own development. Um, it's, it's different than if we're struggling with this. Does that kind of make sense? Like I'm not saying here just because you, you struggle with pursuing pleasure that you're an enemy of the cross. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. And yet there is this reality that Satan is still trying to pull us into that. So without being a, a, a straight-up enemy of the cross, we can still be pulled toward this reality that we're seeking. Uh, yeah, our God is our stomach. And that can, that can be applied to just about anything, right? It's not just talking about food. All the ways in which we try to serve ourselves rather than God. We're all pulled in this direction. The fact of the matter is, when you place your faith in Jesus, there's a war. I mean, there's always a war over your soul. Even when you place your faith in Jesus, there is a war over your soul. Satan, the deceiver, God's archenemy, wants so badly for you to be pulled off 
the path of life with Jesus. He's warring for your soul. He's going to do everything he can to get you to say, you know what, I don't need Jesus. I can do this on my own. That's hogwash. Whatever the case may be. And if he can't convince you to reject your faith, he'll at least try to get you to be super lazy. He'll at least try to get you sort of just coasting and being like, yeah, you know, like I believe in Jesus, but... And to live a life where you don't know the one you place your faith in. There's this inclination, there's this pull toward this spiritual laziness. And Paul recognizes that. He sees that in himself. And that is why he talks about the need for hard work on our spiritual journey. The need to grind it out. I didn't put in the work. I didn't grind it out to accomplish that half marathon. It's not the end of the world that I didn't run a half a marathon. But it's really bad news if I don't grind it out in my walk with Jesus. That's why Paul's using this language. Verse 12, he says, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. Then in verse 13, he says, forgetting what's behind and straining toward Straining doesn't sound very comfortable. It sounds hard. It sounds stretching. It sounds exhausting. Straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. Two times in this text, he uses that verb, that idea of pressing, pressing on. Nothing great comes easy. Nothing great comes comes easy. You are not going to grow closer to Jesus. So last week we talked about this idea that knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection is way better than anything else. But knowing Jesus does not come easy. And so last week, well, I, 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 I said, you know, we don't, we don't want to be building up our spiritual resumes to become as great as possible so God will like us. And so it's about knowing Jesus. But now we're on the other side of that, and we're saying, yeah, and and now it's hard work to know Jesus. We're not doing that hard work so God will like us better. We're doing that hard work because we're captivated by a vision of who God is and what God has for our lives. And we're going to work toward that because we want to know him deeper because God has more in store for us. It's a grind, it's a battle. How does, how, does your, how does your spiritual walk go if you just kind of chill out and you don't spend any time praying? You're not reading scripture. You're not talking about faith with your spouse or other people around you. You're not listening to worship music. You're not whatever. Whatever it is for you, let that stuff go for a month. How's, how's, how are you going to feel? God still loves you a ton. You're still in Christ unless you've deliberately rejected the gospel. You're still in Christ, but you're not exactly going to be thriving You're not exactly going to be walking in the power of the Spirit with peace and joy and hope. It's a grind. Why is spending time in Scripture so hard? It's hard. Why is it so hard? I think there's a spiritual battle there. I'd rather stay in bed for 15 more minutes, 30 more minutes. That's what my flesh pulls me toward. Opening up to a friend about our struggles or even what God is teaching us is not easy. We'd rather chat about the weather, sports, what our kids are up to, 
Creating space and listening to God to hear his voice is not easy. We'd rather get our to-do list done. But you've got to dig in. The great never comes easy. Knowing Jesus and being filled with the joy of that experience is not going to happen on its own. It's not going to just show up. It takes this pressing in. Paul knew that. This great missionary of the faith. We wouldn't know Jesus. More than likely, we'd have no idea who Jesus was if it wasn't for the ministry of this man. A giant of the faith. And he's acknowledging this need to press in, to strain because it's hard. So the good news is, Paul gives two little glimpses in terms of what helps with this. The first one is to keep our eyes fixed on our heavenly citizenship. We referenced a number of verses related to this already, but it seems like this is a key for Paul. That's why, you, you know, you say you go to a gym, or oftentimes people who are all in the fitness, they'll fill their Instagram feed with all these, like, super motivational quotes and images of working out, Right? Because we're motivated when we see the goal in front of us. That's why in office buildings, they have all these like super cheesy posters on the wall with these weird quotes about being motivated. Because whether they're cheesy or not, we're motivated when we see that goal in front of us. It's like, oh yeah, that's what I got up for this morning. This is where I want to be. And so Paul's saying, keep your eyes fixed on heaven every day. You know what? Someday I'm going to be with God. Someday I'm going to have a new body. Someday I'm going to be in the fullness of God's presence and it's going to be awesome. Remind yourself of that day after day and that will give you, that will play a key role in inspiring you to keep hitting the pavement, keep pounding the pavement in your spiritual life. The second piece that he points us toward is watching good models. Watch for good models. Verse 17, he says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, I don't know who us is. Maybe it's Paul and Timothy, Paul and Silas. Anyway, a number of them who are presumably mature Christians living it out. He's saying, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Who are you watching? Who are your models of faithful life? Obviously, ultimately, we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, but it's really helpful to know those few people, and you look at them and be like, you know what? Like, There's a ton that I admire there. I want to follow Jesus as that person does. Do you know who those people are? Do you know who those people are, those two or three? Do you, you know what? Like, Go out of your way and just be like, hey, can, can we just like, can I stop by and just chat for a few minutes? Like, I'd like to pick your brain on a few things that are going on in life. Look for ways to be with them. If you see them working away at something, if you see them serving in the church in some place, go out of your way to go and to be with them. Watch them. Ask them questions. Invite them to pray for you. Invite them to invest in you. For myself, one of my key models is uh, Brent Kiffer. He's a pastor at Mapleview Mennonite Church, and he's been a mentor to me for about 10 years now. He's further down the road in terms of what life looks like as a pastor, but I follow him around. I watch him. I listen to him. I take my questions to him because I want to follow Jesus the way he does. There's other folks. You know, I watch my mom and dad and what it looks like to have a marriage that goes through the ups and downs of life for 40, yeah, 40 some odd years. I'm watching. There are a number of you in this church, family, some of you might know it, some of you not, might not, but I'm watching you because I look up to you. 
I want to live like you. I want to follow Jesus like you. I'm watching. Who are those people for you? Can you identify them? If you're not sure, and maybe you kind of sort of do, I want you to think about that. Like, think about the people around you and say, you know what, these are the two or three people that I wish I could be like because I see them loving Jesus and serving him faithfully. And then pursue them. Pursue what it looks like to follow them. Something over the years that I found to be a little bit puzzling or frustrating, and I mean, it's, it's puzzling, and yet at the same time, I can identify with it. But it's when someone comes to me and they say, you know what, like I'm struggling in my faith, I'm not really hearing from God. God seems really absent. And I don't know, I don't really say it as direct as this, but more or less like, okay, so tell me what your devotional life looks like. Have you been spending any time in Scripture? Have you been pursuing God in terms of silence and listening? Have you been listening to any podcasts that inspire faith? Have you been listening to any worship music? Well, no, not really. (laughs) All right. It doesn't make sense. I understand that we go through seasons, I do, where God seems distant. But that's the first step. If we're not straining forward, if we're not grinding it, if we're not working toward this, how can we expect to know the presence and power of Jesus? And again, I, I, I want to hold this in balance. God wants to pour out his mercy. It's not to say that he's not absent. It's not to say that he mir- doesn't miraculously show up regardless of our efforts. But there's this underlying reality as with anything in life, it doesn't just happen. And so what does it look like for you? to strain toward knowing Jesus, to pursue that with all you got, to work for it. What does that look like for you this week? It's like as if I was like one day, I was like, man, why can't I run 21 kilometers in one shot? Like, what's my problem? Why haven't I done that? And just be in complete disbelief for why I can't run 21 kilometers when I've been pounding back the chips and haven't stepped on the treadmill We're gone for a run in six months and just being flabbergasted for why I can't run 21 kilometers. It's kind of like that. If God feels distant, but you've not been straining toward him, then something's out of whack here. And again, I want to hold this in balance. I want to hold it in tension. I know that there are seasons. I know that there's spaces and, and when there's anxiety involved in other pieces, this isn't the complete story. But for a lot of us, for a lot of us, it comes down to that. Are you straining toward God? Are you pursuing Him? So I'm just going to close with that question. You know, are, are you ready to dig in and get to work? How and when are you going to lace up your spiritual shoes this week? How are you going to press toward that goal of knowing Jesus this week? So I'll leave you with that. God, we pray that you would guide us in this. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today and reveal to us the ways in which we need to be chasing after you. And thank you for who you are. Thank you, God. Thank you that we have this wonderful, brilliant inheritance ahead of us. This is going to be great. We're looking forward to it. Thank you for making this possible. Thank you for inviting us into this. We're really looking forward to it. And so we honor you today and we ask that you would guide us more deeply into knowing you. Amen.